Hello everyone, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you're having a good day. I'm having a good day so far. The Chiefs are beating the Patriots. It's doing the reconnect thing, so we'll see. Uh, it looks like I'm not on Wi-Fi, so hopefully I don't have to deal with that this whole time. Um, but it's halftime. I wanted to come out and make this video. I was working on it earlier today. Um, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. I wanted to do a video kind of on this topic, on my political evolution. And I was saving it for more uh, closer to the election, you know, that whenever I'm thinking about content, whenever I'm coming up with ideas, I, um, you know, I'll think, okay, it's just, it's just a matter of when. Um, I'm definitely going to talk about this. It's just a matter of when. Um, and so I, I have things that I plan on talking about and I always want to tie them, or not always, but a lot of times I want to tie them to current events. And so I was going to talk about my own political and ideological evolution closer to the election. Um, but as uh, after the announcement on Thursday morning, um, whenever Nancy Pelosi uh, was asking for articles of impeachment to be drawn, um, I was like, okay, I need to make this video. So, so that's, that's kind of what inspired this. And it, it's doing the thing where it disconnects and reconnects. So I'll, I'll try to make sure I'm not cutting out too much of this content, but if it kicks you, please, please rejoin or watch, watch this later. Cause I think this is kind of important. Um, but anyway, so if you're looking at the, the title where it says why I'm not a Democrat, uh, I understand that's kind of provocative. That's on purpose. Part two is going to be, and also why I'm not a Republican. Uh, and in that one, I'll explore more of why I think that these, these labels, um, Democrat, Republican, not just misleading, but that they are, um, I think they're counterproductive in a lot of ways. I think there's some utility and I'll talk about that, but I think we get so distracted with the Democrat Republican thing, um, that we lose sight of the more important ideological issues that should inform the way that we vote, the way we think about policy, the way we think about politicians. So I'm going to be making another part about why I'm also not a Republican as well. So in case you're coming in guns blazing, ready to, you know, get out the pitchforks and stuff like this is about both, but that's where I started out. Um, I've, man, it keeps, it keeps kicking. Um, anyway, I voted Democrat my entire life. And so that's, that's where my kind of my origins are, my genesis is. And so that, that informs a lot of how I look at things today. And I think it also is helpful in thinking about, okay, well, if this is where I came from and this is where I am, something's probably happened. And I'm not alone in this, in this political evolution as well. But whenever I was first working on this, I went back and I wanted to look at some of my old like Facebook posts and stuff. And here's a post that I think kind of illustrates some of the stuff I started thinking about that maybe shades all of uh, where we're going here. And I'm going to talk about my evolution. I'm gonna read this, talk about my evolution, um, how the 2016 election played into that. And then we'll go through this article by Bridget Patassi. It's really good. I'll include a link to it because I think her experience is also my experience and a lot of people's experience as well. And then in part two, which I think I might do on Wednesday, maybe um, we'll talk about the other side and what role do Republicans play? What is conservatism versus Republicans and what is liberalism versus Democrat? Because those are different things, even though I think they're used interchangeably quite often. Um, but here's something I, I posted in 2015 that was kind of emblematic of what I was thinking at the time. And I said, and it was a quote by someone named Amy Hall, I guess, but it said, when we can no longer appeal to absurdity in order to challenge our culture's consistent conclusions, because in a world we create, nothing is inherently absurd. And so in other words, I, 
I read that quote then and today, and I can look around and say, there are a lot of things that I would say, this is absurd, this is absurd, but we're creating our own world with our own subjective set of principles and ideals, uh, morals, all of those things. And whenever you're just creating it from your own, just this is what I like, this is what you like, then of course you're going to end up with things that seem absurd to one person, but you can't really call it that because what's good for you is, is good for you and what's good for me is good for me. And that type of subjectivity leads to a situation where it's basically impossible to label anything good or bad or absurd or normal or whatever. And I was identifying that in 2015. And I would say that kind of shades a lot of my evolution, especially over the past probably four or five years. Um, but that was what I was thinking at the time, even though that was a time in my life whenever I was still a very hardcore, um, or at least mostly hardcore Democrat, or leaned that way. Um, so growing up, and there's a there's a metaphor Bridget Patassi gets into in the article we're going to look at. Um, but growing up, there kind of I think my factory settings, my default settings, were towards the left, or you know, kind of as a Democrat. Um, you know, I would wake up and and my dad would be listening to. Uh, NPR. I'd wake up to the morning edition, like musical intro, Anchor magazine, New Yorker magazine subscriptions around the house, um, and so I, I was definitely around. Like there was ubiquitous um, content and journalism that definitely leaned left. You know, not not necessarily super far to the left, but but did lean left, and it was ubiquitous. And so I can't really point to anything where I was like, my dad told us that we're Democrats, or I just. You know, or this is those bad guys, those Republicans are bad guys or whatever. Um, I never really thought that. I just knew that that's kind of um, who we were, even though it was never really shoved down my throat or anything like that. Because um, it, it was more about this is who we are, not necessarily those are the bad guys. I never really got that sense. I did, whenever Bush was elected, I had that kind of opinion of he's just a dumb kind of Texan redneck kind of guy who's just dragging us into war. I didn't like George W. Bush. I thought he was a moron at the time. But really, the things that informed my opinion of that were uh, mostly, I would say, probably NPR, CNN a little bit, but just SNL, you know, watching Will Ferrell's uh, impression of him, you know, and that was like, well, that must be who he is. He must be some dumb Texan who's just dragging us into war, you know. He speaks, he doesn't speak very well. Um, so that was just who I was. And so back to Patassi's metaphor of just factory settings, you know, I just, I didn't really question it. Um, and again, it wasn't shoved down my throat. It was just kind of like, if you grow up Methodist and not, and you're not ever presented with any other denomination, it's just like, well, I guess I'm just a Methodist. And that's just the lens with which you view the world. That was, that was where I was. And even when I went to college, that was, um, something that I brought with me. And I never really felt out of place in that view. I never felt like that was a minority view. Um, anything um, n nothing like that at all. Um, and w whenever I was in college getting my undergrad, when I finally did decide on a degree, uh, I chose political science. And so I was taking things that had to do at least with our government, our founding documents. Um, I was taking courts and rights of the accused and, you know, civil liberties and uh, constitutional law, all those things. And that kind of goes into some of the other stuff that made me start to question some things. But anyway, I never really felt like I was in a, the minority of that view. And I remember when Obama was running in 2008, I was a really big Obama supporter um, and, and also in 2012. In fact, I had a friend who I went to school with, still a really good friend of mine, and he was a military veteran. And 
he had a uh, John McCain sign in his yard. And I remember telling him, like, what is wrong with you? Why would you support John McCain? And I was, like, really legitimately shaming him. And I didn't know anything about John McCain. I didn't know anything about Republicans. I didn't know anything about conservatism. In fact, I thought they were synonymous, which, again, I think is a, a common mistake. I think the way that liberalism seems interchangeable with Democrat, conservatism is even though they're not the same. Um, but anyway, but I was, I was like, what is wrong with you? Why would you support John McCain? And so um, I was that guy, even though I didn't really have a reason to not like John McCain. I just knew he wasn't one of the good guys because I knew the Democrats were the good guys. Republicans are these warmongering, um, you know, fascists who don't like poor people or whatever, uh, or just dumb racist hillbillies. It was really kind of my thought on, on at least a large portion of my opinion of the other side. And again, conservatism didn't really play into that. In Man, it keeps disconnecting. It's really pissing me off. Um, anyway, so in 2008 and in 2012, I went like at my college. They put the uh, the election uh, over, you know, throughout the night, whenever there is a presidential election up on this projector in the union. And I would go and sit with my professors and I would say, hey, are, are we, we're going to be OK, right? You know, the implication being all of us were, vo were voting for Obama or had voted for Obama. So in 2008, it was like, we're fine. We're going to beat this McCain guy. And same in 2012, like, oh, no, Romney's not going to get it. Um, and so there was that solidarity there. Again, even though I, I just knew that that was the team that I was on. Um, anyway, so, so that was me kind of leading up to um, the 2016 election. But I, one of the things that really started the first time, I remember the first time I started to question really anything was, like I said, I always had a CNN on. Um, and in my, when I was in college, in my dorm room, I always had CNN on the TV just all the time. NPR was my preset number one in my car. In fact, it, it still is actually. Um, and I remember whenever there was some of the first shooting, this is so frustrating when the black lives matter stuff, um, started to really come about and there was the, the police shootings, whether it's Trayvon Martin or Michael Brown or whatever, I didn't really have necessarily an opinion either way. I just remember that the way it was reported was unarmed black man shot by cops. Therefore, the cop is racist. And because I was, you know, like I said, I was taking a lot of these classes in political science. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I was thinking about that from just the objective, like the burden of presumption of innocence, those types of things. Um, and so I was just like, OK, maybe that that cop is racist, maybe, um, but we don't know. Um, and so why are we just assuming that? And I remember there was cases where I was like, this is really bad. Um, I remember whenever there was the guy was shot in his car and the police officer was like standing there, you know, his girlfriend's live streaming it. Right. And the police officer is standing there with his gun and the girlfriend's live streaming it. And she's freaking out. I remember I was like, this is tragic. Now at the same time, I was like, you need to put down, the he needs to put down the gun. You need to put down the phone. You guys need to help this guy. But either way, like, I, I just, all I really cared about was, well, what is true? Why are we just assuming this? And I remember watching, gearing up to the 2016 election, some of the candidates and then um, people in the media just, like, kind of just saying that and not ever giving any pushback to the, to just the assumption that this must be a race thing. Um, and I was really frustrated because I was like, well, we don't know. Why? Maybe it is. You know, of course, they, of course that could be. But to just to just present that as axiomatically true, I didn't really understand that perspective. Um, but I didn't, that didn't 
play a whole lot into how I viewed politics, but that was the first thing I started to kind of ask some questions. And again, I understand there's a this like super white dude. I'm wearing a white shirt. I just realized, and I'm talking about how the first time I ever questioned anything was whenever Black Lives Matter came on the scene. So again, just to clarify, I hate that we have to do this nowadays, but I, it wasn't that I thought that it was inherently wrong or inherently not wrong. I was I just didn't understand why the the uh, equation of unarmed person shot cop is a different color therefore racist i just didn't understand why that was the default answer um and and i remember thinking i'm like okay so if an asian police officer shot a hispanic police officer or you know a vietnamese police officer i guess that is a asian you know shot a white uh, or a white guy or whatever you know the, i just didn't understand how the the fact there was different races inherently meant the cop must have been racist it didn't really um it didn't jive with me i guess so that was the first time I started to question some stuff. But going into that 2016 election, I knew that I was still a Democrat. Um, but I was increasingly, I guess, a little disillusioned. Um, I remember that was the first election that I even considered Republic, uh, voting Republican. Um, so here's some, here's some of my posts and thoughts from leading up to that election. Just to let you know, I'm only going to talk about Trump and the Republican stuff a little bit. Um, right now, because I'm going to cover a lot of that in the next video. Um, but on May 4th in 2016, I said, congrats Republicans for picking an, you can pick up the prize for your ignorance in November when the new president is chosen. And then in October, 2016, I said, Republicans had this election in the bag if they didn't nominate this dumpster fire. And so I was not, I was not a Trump supporter, um, and But I was thinking about voting Republican, but I wanted it to be a centrist Republican. So I kind of liked Jeb Bush. Um, I kind of liked Kasich. But whenever it became obvious that Trump was going to be the nominee, I was like, okay, whatever thoughts I had on voting Republican, that's out the window. I'm going back to my team. Um, and so I was a big fan of John, or not John, uh, Martin O'Malley. So you, you're probably like, who is Martin O'Malley? So a lot of people remember 2016 as being between Hillary and Sanders, but Martin O'Malley was the was the third guy who was in it for five seconds, and I liked him because he seemed moderate. I didn't really like Hillary Clinton, um, and so I was a Martin O'Malley guy. But then whenever he wasn't in it and it was Hillary and Sanders, I said, okay, I'm, I'm guess I'm a Bernie Sanders guy. And so I I liked Bernie Sanders. I was a big supporter of his during the primaries. I voted for him in the primaries for the lead up to the 2016 election, um, and. I liked it because he was an outsider. He seemed very authentic in his beliefs. And I really didn't know a lot about the economics of some of his positions. And I knew he was on the good team, or at least he seemed to be. But at the same time, I was disillusioned with the Democratic Party because I was starting to question some of my um, stances on some uh, social things, I guess. I was wondering if the safe, legal, and rare view of abortion was really a tenable position. Some of those things. But I still knew that this was my team. And I was watching the Young Turks all the time. Um, I would watch Jank uh, and Anna get on there and just rail against the DNC, who is clearly trying to work against Sanders's campaign. And so even though I was like, oh, the Republicans just nominated this guy. Okay, no thanks. And the Democrats are clearly working against Sanders for Hillary. And so I was disillusioned there. And I started to really kind of more consider myself an independent or a centrist. But I was a Sanders kind of guy. And whenever the he was out of the the race and it was just Hillary and Trump, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the South Park episode about choosing between a dude. 
I didn't like either of those candidates, but I, again, I wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump. I was terrified, actually. And there was a couple people I knew that were conservative, and whenever they would ask me about him, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, you guys are nuts. But I, again, I didn't really know anything about their position on things because I'd always ever thought about things from my my bubble, my factory settings of the, the Democrat from the Democratic standpoint. And so I was just like, you're dumb if you support this, basically, was my thoughts. Um, I mean, like I put on Facebook there, I was like, this is a dumpster fire. Uh, whenever the 2016 election came around and I had to choose between the two, we had moved from a red state to an even more red state. And so I'm like, well, my vote, it does, it does matter, but, you know, it, it, this state's going red no matter what. But I remember going into the voting booth and, uh, you know, I was... It, in this state, you shade you shade a box, and I was shading the box for Hillary, um, and I just remember just dropping the biggest f bomb ever, and like people were looking at me, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry because I didn't I didn't love that I was voting for her, but for me it was kind of the devil you know is better than the devil you. Thought. I thought under Hillary, you know, it'd be similar to Obama. I didn't have a problem with um, with Obama's presidency because I didn't really know anything about it, like I said, um, and so I was like, I f it, I guess I'm voting for Hillary. Um, and then that night, I was watching the, the election results with a friend of mine. And as the results were coming in, and it seemed obvious Trump was going to win. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not super proud of this, but it's important to understand kind of where I came from. I remember we'd already been having some cocktails, and I lived pretty close to a Walmart. I went and bought another bottle of rum that we just, we drank that bottle of rum. And I just got absolutely hammered on the election night because I was like, this is insane. This is crazy. This guy is going to be president. Like, oh my gosh. And I was legitimately worried um, about that. And so that's that was the standpoint that I had going into that 2016 election and then going forward was I, you know, I was one of those guys who was watching Young Turks leading up to it and got super hammered the night of the election. So I'm like, I, okay, well, you know, this is this is crazy. But I also had, I, you know, I'd heard leading up to the election and then afterwards, I'd heard that metaphor that I really like of, you know, there's that pilot, or I guess... If the United States is an airplane, the president is the pilot. And so you don't want to like be against them once they're a president because you don't want the plane to crash. And so I thought, let's give him a chance just to see what happens. You know, this could be, you know, a total disaster, but let's give it a chance. Kind of like what Chappelle said, actually, after he was elected. You know, I'm like, just give it a chance, even though I'm not happy with it. And the, I, I want to read a post. I thought about reading this at the very end, but I think that this is so telling and it, and it helps kind of shade all of my thoughts going forward. This is something, this is something I wrote three days after the election. Um, again, the election that I got super drunk the night of because I was just scared that Trump won. Um, but there was, this was in response to there was some scuffle. I guess there were some racists that were running around with uh, pro-Trump banners. And some people just took their signs down and then left. And it ended kind of peacefully. And so this was a, a post I made in response to this. Three days after the election, I said, I understand emotions are still high from Tuesday, but we have got to come together as a country. The election is over, and those of us who disliked the outcome still have to share a country with those who voted for this. We are all in this together, and if we keep going the way we're going, this country will end up eating itself. These protesters showed that it is possible to put the division aside for the greater good. We need to follow their example, not continue down this, and not continue down this divided, toxic discourse that we're on. 
So this was in 2016, right after the election, after I was terrified that Trump won. And I said, look, these responses, this is nuts. And I remember, so in, 20, in, in 2008, so this is what I was thinking about at the time. So in 2008, after Obama was elected, there was a guy that I, uh, that was on my floor in college. And after Obama was elected, he just moped around in a bathrobe for like two weeks. Anytime you'd see him be like, hey, how you doing, man? And he'd go, uh, you know, and, and it, it, he was just so depressed. And I was, and that was in my mind, I'm like, he's the stereotypical Republican. You know, is he mad that there's a black guy president? Like, this is great. What's wrong with you? You know, I didn't know if it was a race thing or not, but I remember thinking like, this guy is legitimately upset that Obama won the presidency. Um, and I would kind of make fun of him a little bit. But then I remember, even though that was kind of a caricature I had in my mind of Republicans, after Trump was elected, I thought about that fairly regularly whenever there was these crazy protests, there were the marches, there was, you know, people gathering outside of the White House and around Washington, and there were celebrities saying, I've thought about assassinating the president or burning the White House down, all these other things. And I'm like, this is crazy. And I remember thinking, okay, well, this guy, as much as I made fun of him, after Obama was elected... He moped around for two weeks, but then he went on with his life. And now we're seeing after Trump was elected, you know, I get it. I'm terrified. I was, you know, I'm right there with you. I was right there with you leading up to this. But this response is nuts. You know, imagine if after Obama was elected that there were people gathering outside the White House and like Ted Nugent or something was like, you know, I've thought a lot about assassination lately. People would not be okay with that. And so I just thought about that from that principled objective standard of like, you know, if we wouldn't be okay with this after Obama was elected, why are we allowing this now to happening? As there was people in the media just freaking out and saying things that just didn't really make any sense to me. I, you know, I remember saying, this is going to be a bloodbath in 2020 if we don't figure this out. Because I didn't vote for this, but this response is insane. Let's see what happens. We haven't even seen what happened. And so that was one of the main things that I thought about right after the election and then going forward. And as we saw the stuff with whether you agree or not, the way the burden of proof was lowered and, you know, the all legal due process, everything with the stuff with Brett Kavanaugh and how oh, people at the board, how we don't have a border crisis, but then we do have a border crisis and how, the way that policies have changed over the last three years. I've just been like, what is going on here? Like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the team that I was on three, four years ago. Um, and I, that's that kind of helps inform where I'm at now a little bit. I'm going to talk more about that in the next video. But I, I want to go through this article that Bridget Patassi wrote because she identifies some of the things that I was thinking um, and have been thinking for the past couple of years. Um, and like I said, I'll talk about this more in the other video. But really, any more of the things I think about aren't Democrat, Republican, but what is true? What do the facts bear out? And who seems most in line with that? Um, not about intentions, you know, but what, what is actually happening? What are the policies? And again, what is true? Um, and so I'll talk about my thinking on that again later, but this article, I'm going to link it in the description, but she wrote this just a few months ago. And I think it's really, really telling. Um, and it, it helps kind of, I guess, elucidate some of the things I'm saying probably better than I could. Um, but we'll go through this and then we'll close out there because uh, the game is definitely back on. Anyway, dear Democrats, I'm mad at you. 
For decades, I was a loyal regular at your bar until suddenly you started ignoring me. You took my support for granted and dismissed my concerns, focusing instead on courting the young city hipsters with their scooters and their designer weed and their craft beers. You began overlooking pragmatic moderates and catering to loud extremists who favor rewriting the Constitution and accelerating our lurch towards socialism. So again, for some reference, Bridget Potassi is a lifelong leftist. She used to write for Playboy. So she's no conservative, and she'll get into that, but it's, it's important to know that. Feeling politically homeless, I dropped my party affiliation. How did this happen? How did I go from being a lifelong Democrat to a registered independent? I am far from alone. Why don't you Democrats seem to care? Like most Americans, I developed my politics through osmosis. You absorb what you grow up around. I call this unexamined position factory settings. It's a great, great ma uh, metaphor. Factory settings are the default beliefs instilled when you were a child. Just like I grew up, you know, with that NPR and the New York. My factory settings were to the left. Um, she says, you know, it's like if I grew up in a conservative home, so I vote Republican. Or I hate the Yankees because I'm from Boston. That's your factory settings. As a young person, I could spout Democratic Party lines verbatim. I didn't care at all that much. Prior to 2015, I viewed politics as something that only affected the very rich and the very poor. I wasn't dependent on government tax cuts, um, and they didn't, or I wasn't dependent on government, and tax cuts didn't benefit me. The winner of any election had very influence in my life. I worked as a waitress. Too busy living paycheck to paycheck, I felt just like another cog in the wheel. For most of the 2020, for most of 20 years, in which I've been able to vote, I've kept my head down and voted Democrat because I believed they were the party of the people, and I was told Republicans were evil my whole life. I understood the importance of voting, but I had fallen asleep at the wheel of a self-driving car and was happy to let the autopilot navigate. It was easier, <clears throat> and not in a lazier, ignorant, or unmotivated way. I was simply too busy trying to survive, so I rested in the default settings I was born into and trusted the geniuses in charge so they could work out the details. For a long time, politicians could count on the factory settings crowd. People know the lever they're support, supposed to pull, and that's about all they're there to do. But social media and unprecedented amounts of interconnection have added new layers that disrupt the quiet majority of factory setting voters like me. Having been born and raised a liberal Democrat, I only had a vague sense of the truth behind America's political divisions. This was because the left's firm domination of media, entertainment, and education. I subscribe to what I now call the approved message, a sort of right thing, right as incorrect, that meant you were one of the good guys, a Democrat. It made for a simpler life. Then came Trumpism. The approved message grew louder and angrier. It coalesced into a progressive religion, wokeism, which adopted increasingly complex rules. Suddenly there was no limit on what someone might deem offensive. Certain opinions, words, and ideas became unacceptable overnight. Citizens took to policing one another's jokes, tone, and internet histories. It quickly became clear that anyone who supported Trump, to be clear, I'm not a fan, should be shamed and ostracized. If they were a family member, disowned. In fact, coming out as anything other than anti-Trump could end your career get you kicked out of your mommy group, or land you on the wrong side of a virtual mob. Like most Americans, I was suddenly playing catch-up. Speech is violence. Capitalism and democracy are oppressive. Critical thinking is fence-sitting. 
you try nuance or engage in wrong think on sacred issues, you won't just get into a tiff with your neighbors. Now there's every chance, now every chance you will have a person your personal life dragged into the public square in order to shame you into obscurity. The days of buffet-style politics are no longer allowed. You either check all the boxes of the good party or you belong to the bad one. When I dared to push back by writing articles, I was struck by how quickly the left rejected me. Millions noticed this too. They watched in stunned silence as leftists demanded books be censored, scrutinized language, and called anyone who disagreed a Nazi. Flash forward three years into a Trump administration, and instead of learning from mistakes, are headed for the same brick wall. At this point, the 2020 Democratic platform feels like a barely-veiled threat. Vote for us or you're racist. The progressive push to fully embody the promise made of the De Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal used to feel aspirational and attainable. Now the open-mindedness and tolerance that attracted me to the Democratic Party seems like a thing of the past. Gone is the party that stood in direct opposition of the rigid moralizing of conservatism. That's something I'm going to talk about in the next video. In its place is a movement that feels less about liberation and more about obedience. How true that is. Progressivism is no longer interested in ideological diversity and instead demands rigid adherence to dogma. Dare to defy and risk being, as we say on Twitter, canceled. When a movement is no longer about or no longer open to dissent, the movement is dead. It is no longer a living, breathing dialogue. It's a cult. Like it or not, I'm a canary in the coal mine. If I, a citizen of the Republic of California, have been abandoned in the center, how many people are there in Ohio or Florida or Wisconsin? I guarantee you a lot more than the polls currently reflect. A lot more than Democrats can perceive in their liberal bubble. You can't bully people into voting the way you like. And then, when they push back, imply they are racist and say good riddance. Not if you want to survive. So Democrats, please stop with this nonsense that people like me have left you. As you endlessly tell me on Twitter, you pushed us away. Offer us a compelling vision of the future based on strength of your ideas and policies. If you can't, to win. Maybe you don't deserve to win. That's a great that's a great piece by Bridget Potassi, and I think it embodies a lot of what I've experienced, what a lot of other people experience. So I'll link you to this article and a video she did on uh, the Rubin Report a while back um, that, again, talks about all of this. So anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there, but I just wanted to kind of let you know where I came from and how that shades how I think about things now, and especially with the stuff with the impeachment that um, came about. You know, again, I've really always tried to ask myself what is true, what do the facts bear out, principles, and stick to a set of principles. You know, I, I don't care what team it is. Right now, the, the Chiefs are playing the Patriots. You know, I, the rules are the rules. I don't care what team violates what rule. If you, you know, if you're pulling on a face mask, that's a face mask. So I really just try to think about what is true, who adheres to what is true, and the set of principles. And, and are they willing to apply that to their side as well as the other side, or does it seem like they only care about the other side? Um, so this video is about why I'm not a Democrat, and a lot of that has to do with what Patassi talked about here, and and just how crazy the reaction to Trump and some of the social stuff has been in terms of people just playing catch up, and how there's always this new set of rules that you know things that yesterday people were like this is normal. 
that today it's it's all bad and it's banned and how you have to just immediately check the new box of the approved um, ideology or perspective or else you're out or else you're an infidel and how it really seems like it more resembles a religion. She uses cult there. I, I, I like how it seems like it more resembles a religion now. Um, than a political movement. Um, and in my next video, I'm going to talk about, you know, kind of post-2016 election, where I'm at now, how I view politics. And again, it's not that I'm not a Democrat and am a Republican. I'm not a Republican either. Um, I think that both of those titles distract from the broader um, issues that we need to be thinking about. And, and again, this plays into why I don't talk about Trump, why I don't really think about Donald Trump all that much. I'll put a link to I made a video about that a while back. Um, but yeah, so I, I'll, I'm going to address those things in the next one. So I hope that kind of helps you understand where I was, where I am. And, and whenever you watch my videos, if, and again, if you do, I really appreciate that. But thinking about how that informs the way I look at things now as someone who's voted down, tip, down ticket Democrat my entire life and how, you know, there really has been some things going on in the culture in the Democratic Party particularly. But just, again, I don't really like to point to say the Democrats because I, don't, I think there's another thing at play here um, that has to, more to do with authoritarian versus, liber, or versus libertarianism than Democrat versus Republican or left versus right. But again, I'll get into that in the next one. Um, so anyway, th this, is, this is where I came from. In the next one, I'm going to talk about how I think we got here, how I got here, how I think... Uh, there is some blame on the Republican or the more conservative side of things that play into this cultural uh, war that we're experiencing now, some of these cultural issues we're experiencing now, and the how I've really abandoned both of those titles and really try to focus more on culture than I do on politics, uh, because culture is what makes the politics. It's what makes the politicians. Um, so anyway, that'll be my next one. I'll probably do it on Wednesday, I think. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I appreciate you watching this. It kept disconnecting. That's really frustrating. So those of you that stuck with it, I appreciate it. If you're watching this at a later point in time, I appreciate that as well. Any thoughts, any criticisms, any, I mean, even if you're like, yeah, I, I identify with that or no, I think you're totally wrong. I'd love to read that in the comments. Shoot me a message. Uh, this is the type of stuff you like. Please follow me on uh, Twitter. That's at my mundane mind and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll put a link to that. Down, down in the description. I'm going to start doing some more stuff exclusively on YouTube and Twitter live streams. Um, I'll keep doing some stuff on Facebook, but anyway, yeah, please follow me on there. And even if you don't like this type of stuff, follow me so you can criticize me, make fun of the fact that I, you know, do videos at zero hour when the sun's going down and it turns into scary stories to tell in the dark at the end, uh, because this is a, such a duct tape operation I got going here. So anyway, thanks for watching and yeah, Go Chiefs. I'll see you guys next time.